know me. Slick service flow broke off the squad. Run it, run it, run it, run it. I rock, I roll, I blow, I blow. I blow. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Self. I'm your host, Matan, with Solo Dolo today, but not to start the show. We're going to get into a ton of topics today, including what you see on the graphic here, which Bucks are ready to take the next step. A little bit of different compared to the conversation that we talked about yesterday of Bucks that need to have good training camp. These are players that are pushing to a pivotal role, as you see there with Anton Winfield Jr. He's been good. How great can he be, though? But to start off this show, we have a very special guest as we're going to talk about Bucks punter Jake Camarda with punter specialist. I'm going to call him a punter expert, expert about the, the punting position. I believe you started this a couple years ago. Just sheer out of the fascination of what goes into being a, a great punter, you want to just tell us a little bit about what you do, uh, what you're about with uh, the, the punter position here in the NFL? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we've been running this uh, this Twitter account, Puntalytics, at the Punt Runts. Shoot us a follow for uh, for a couple of years now. Uh, and there's there's this really cool uh, community on Twitter that does all of this, like, open source analytics, where, like, you can just download all of the play-by-play data in the NFL onto your computer and then do whatever you want with it. And we saw this space where everyone was doing all of these really interesting things with sports data, and no one was doing that for punters. And we thought it would be cool to do that. And we kind of started filling that niche and Twitter's responded really well. And we've had a really good time sharing all of our thoughts and uh, numbers and stuff about punters. Yeah, I think that's awesome because you've seen over the last couple of years and I'm still learning along the way too, just all the new stats that we learn about, not just that, you know, running back wide receiver, but as you mentioned, punter yourself too so it's great that we're finding new ways to quantify things because i really think too the punter position and we'll see with the bucks this year with jake camarda because we saw it last year when bradley pinion started to struggle especially towards the end of the year the punter position unfortunately gets overlooked at times but it's definitely a position that without question can change the facet of the, of the game so like overall i just think it, it's great that we're finding new stats about it um is there any punters when you first got into this that you were really uh, a big fan of that kind of made you want to dig deeper? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually a lifelong uh, University of Texas fan, Hook'em. And so oh, I'm not at a screen, Hook'em. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so when Michael Dixon came onto the scene and then was the MVP of the Texas Bowl, it was really hard to look away. And it was just so exciting. And then the world got excited about Michael Dixon also. And that was yeah. a lot of the, you know, and then he had the double punt last year and everyone was excited about him all over again. Um, so that's been really fun. Um, we've also had the chance to chat with some, some NFL punters, which has been great. We did interviews with Jake Bailey of the Patriots and Jack Fox of the Lions and Brett Kern of the Titans, which was fun. Some young guys, a legend. Um, and it's been really cool to, to learn more about it. Yeah, and I like two punters that really start showing more of their personality. Like, obviously, Pat McAfee became a, a huge conglomerate. And I think it, too, not even personality-wise, but some of the punters that really first stood out to me were the Colquitt brothers. I mean, they're, like, kind yeah. of punting royalty. And oh, then uh, Tom Tupa, Bucks fans are familiar with him. He also played for the Jets a little bit, too. But, all right, let's get into Jake Camarda now. Sure. Obviously, the Bucks drafted him. In the fourth round, it was the year of the punter. I would say the punter and the wide receiver when it came to this year's 2022 NFL draft. But in your opinion, just watching him at Georgia, looking at the tape, looking up the stats, what's kind of the first thing that really stands out to you when we talk about Jake Camarda? Yeah, so the the thing that the word that you hear tossed around when the experts talk about uh, Jake Camarda is pro-ready, which means a couple of different things. Um, one thing, and you know, I, we'll talk about Matariza for sure. There's a ton oh, yeah. to talk oh, about. Oh, uh-huh, um, yeah, 100%. But, you know, Jake Camarda excels in all, par- all parts of the field, which is something that I think a special teams coordinator is really looking for. He also played really well for multiple seasons in college, which is not even something you always like expect from a college punter or any kind of college player. You know, they were 18, but he's been playing yeah. really well since his sophomore season. Um, 
And we don't actually personally keep track of like all of these other numbers like hang time and operation time, which is time from uh, snap to punt. But from what the experts say, he is really good in those areas as well. So he has all of the makings of like a pro-ready, pro-caliber kind of punter. Yeah, and as I just said, too, it, it was the year of the punter. We saw a run of punters this year, probably more than maybe ever in the NFL draft. They're not just punters getting drafted, because you would see that at sometimes later on on day three. But, you know, we saw punters going early, like in the fourth round. So why do you think that was such a big boom this year when it comes to the punters? Yeah, so I think that if if you're you're the Bucks, my guess as to what was going on in the Bucks draft room is that they had like draftable NFL caliber grades on two people, on Jordan Stout at a Penn State mm-hmm. and Jake Camarda out of Georgia. And three picks ahead of them, the Ravens take Jordan Stout and they think, "Oh man, we're in sort of a bind here. There is only one punter left in the world." who we think is starting caliber, who we can get on a rookie deal. Um, and whether that was the right decision is sort of another question, but in their mind, the, the demand is so low, or rather the supply of punters is so low that you get these big gaps in the set of prospects. And they were like, if we don't get uh, Kamarda, then what are we going to do? We're either going to have to pay Bradley Pinion $2.9 million dollars, or find some other rookie free agent punter who we don't think is going to be able to cut it. And so maybe there was a little bit of panic in the draft room when Jordan Stout went that high. But you have to think that they were like, if we don't get Camarda, we're just out of luck for a punter. And so they jumped Mm -hmm. and it cost them, you know, if instead they were going to take a cornerback in the fourth, which they wound up doing in the fifth. Yeah. Is the difference between those two prospects more or less than having a serviceable punter i don't know but i think that that's probably what drove them to take a punter as high as they did and one of the punters still on the board at the time was the punt god exactly and i think a lot of people were surprised that not only was he not the first punter taken off the board he wasn't even the second punter taken off the board now i had spoken to someone and spoken to a source that said one of those reasons that it could be is because he mainly, I believe, just punted uh, at San Diego State, I believe, where he played, where uh, Camarda did all the other things, especially as a holder. Like, Areza never held, and I think that's a huge caveat that, again, people overlook. But, yeah, you might be able to trust your your backup quarterback, but for the most part, it's your punter that's holding those field goals and extra points. Do you think that really played into why you know he got taken later than the other two punters? It it certainly can be holding. It's hard to know. You know, we don't have have numbers on yeah. on that. So it's funny. People tweet at us sometimes, like, "What about the holding?" They'll always respond, "What are we holdalytics?" You know, yeah. like <laughs> we just don't know. Um, <clears throat> but the other really interesting thing about Ariza is that he just, you know, he is a just completely different mindset of a punter than all of these like other kind of more pro ready guys which is, you know, when we talk about puntalytics, we always talk about there being sort of two phases of the field with the dividing line being your own 40 line of scrimmage, Mm -hmm. where when you're further back from your own 40, you're in open field territory. And when you're ahead of your own 40, you're in pin deep territory. And the idea or rather the expectation is that when a punter is in pin deep territory, they're no longer trying to just demolish the football. They're trying to aim and pin the other team deep. Um, Ariza basically just didn't do that. And from wherever he was on the field, he was just like, I am going to take years off the life of this football. And he did. (laughs) Ball comes off his foot different. Um, And so he was he was hitting 40 yard touchbacks and 50 yard touchbacks and 70 yard touchbacks. He was just demolishing footballs. Um, but you look at that as an NFL team and you think in the situations where we have to punt from midfield. This is just a guaranteed touchback every time. That's sort of, I think, a turnoff for a lot of special teams coordinators. Right. Yeah, interesting there. Because I want to ask you next about, as you just mentioned, he just booms the ball. I was curious, in your opinion, where you think Kamara's strength and, and weaknesses are, or if he's stronger at just booming the ball. And obviously, with being a punter, it's more than just booming it. you got to have the hang time to make sure that the rest of the punt team is going down there. Or does he specialize a little bit more? You know, if you're doing those punts 
where the ball's at midfield and you're going to snap it back and, and pinning those players deep. Where do you see the strengths in Camarda there? Yeah, so Camarda is definitely much more of a, like, all-around punter. His, yeah. like, in our, our EPA stat, his splits in open field versus pin deep are pretty even. Um, it's always a little bit hard to tell because pin deep, there's like a little bit more randomness and typically a smaller sample size. Um, so you don't, you don't always get the world's clearest answer on, is this guy really good in, in pin deep situations? Um, but early returns on the college numbers we have are that he can definitely pin the other team deep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have you seen any correlation with, you know, Kamarta is going to be, doing the kickoffs as well too like he's not just punting he he's doing a role that if you look around the league it's mainly kickers doing the kickoffs not every single team obviously Mm -hmm. but with him doing that role as well too I don't know if you know how that affects the leg differently or if you've seen any correlation in the numbers between effectiveness of punters that have to focus strictly on just punting the ball and punters that are performing the kickoffs and then also doing you know their regular punting responsibilities as well yeah it's not something that we've looked at though we totally could because we could just just figure out who's doing kickoffs pretty easily um you do see you know when people talk about why it is that no one does double duty punting and kicking in the pros which is basically unprecedented in the modern era that that like just fatigue is something that's talked about and so you could certainly imagine that fatigue is a thing that plays into people who have to to do kickoffs as well. Um, seeing as it's something you do at least as many times as you punt in a game. Is that true? That's probably true. Yeah. Happened a similar number of times. Um, have you ever seen, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but Tom Brady actually has a couple of punts to his record. I believe he has three punts. They all came with New England. They were more a uh, pooch kick situation. What's your analysis of Tom Brady's punting? Because on the video, he's pinned the opponent deep, like pretty well. It's super funny that you say that. So when during the whole fake retirement situation, we we had queued up this tweet where we were going to be like, the, the plan for the tweet was like, how can Tom Brady be the GOAT when he only ranks X all time in punter EPA, you know, that <laughs> custom punter EPA stat? And then we we crunched the numbers and he's first. And we were like, unbelievable. Of course. But of his, course he is. His, his three punts were very, very good. <laughs> um, so, and I mean, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that, including that there's no one back, which is the whole point of yeah. being that in that situation. Um, but yeah, his three punts are, it's the best three punt punt career we've ever seen. Uh, of of, really of course it is. That <laughs> That shocks me absolutely. <laughs> In the slightest, like that's uh, <laughs> it's unbelievable, but it's also the most believable thing at the same yeah. time that Tom Brady dominates literally in every category that he possibly can. Dennis, I got one more question for you, and again, thank you so much for your time for coming on the Peter Report podcast. Just curious, uh, we talked a lot about Bucks punter uh, Jake Camarda. Is there another punter in the league right now that maybe gets a little overlooked that you know NFL fans in general should be keeping their eye on? Ooh, that's a great question. Who should we be keeping an eye on? So the there are two young guys who I think don't get a lot of love nationally, who are Logan Cook of the Jaguars and AJ Cole the third of the uh the Raiders. Um, they're both guys, you know, still on rookie contracts. They don't get a lot of love. They're sort of understated, but they have played super well every year that they've been around so far. Okay, you heard it there first. Yeah. Dennis Bruckner, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Please, one more time, just plug your social media and website and everything. Yeah, totally. We are Puntalytics on Twitter, at The Punt Runs. You can find us on Twitter. You can also check out our website at puntalytics.github.io, which has some longer-form versions of our stuff. That's, of course, linked from our Twitter as well. Shoot us a follow. Lots of good highlights and numbers and plots and all the punting information that you're looking for. There you go, everybody. Make sure you check that out. Again, Dennis, thank you so much for coming on the show and helping us learn a little bit more about Bucks punter Jake Camarda. Thanks a lot. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks again to Jake for coming on the show here. And ladies and gentlemen, you know what I'm going to get into next. It is Celsius Energy. If you don't know by now, you should know. Celsius Energy is hands down the best energy drink that we got going on today. 
the flavors are fantastic. All right. And it's it's not just one flavor, it's all of them. You got the sparkling wild berry, you got the sparkling orange, tropical vibe, uh, peach mango, watermelon, Arctic, glacier freeze, like literally everything that you want to know about Celsius or you want to drink, they have it. As you see right here, they have the Arctic vibe, the tropical vibe, and the peach vibe as well, too. So make sure you go to Celsius.com and hit on the store locator to find out where you can get Celsius energy. And, you know, they have it at every local gas station, bodega, uh, chain stores, whether it's like Walmart. They have it all over. Target, they they got it there, too. So go to Celsius.com, or you can order it on Amazon. Get the Go to your door in two weeks, three weeks. You can set it up in there. And the beauty of Celsius, too, is not just the flavor. I mean, you're drinking an energy drink because you want the energy to get you through a day, whether it's, you know, whether it's a long work day. Maybe you got a big playoff game going on later. I'm in a volleyball league. Everyone makes the playoffs. We're a pretty good team. So when I got a tough game going on, if I know the championship's coming up, three-time volleyball champion, by the way, in this league, I make sure I have a Celsius energy drink. So again, great flavors, none of the jitters, none of the crash that comes after. And also I'd be remiss too if I did not mention the fast brands. They have, again, like the flavors, I can't even get into like how realistic they are. You know, other companies, you hear this flavor, you hear that flavor. It doesn't really taste like it. I know they're trying to market it to you. That's not the case with Celsius. When they say, that they have chocolate or peanut butter. It legit tastes like that. If it's a watermelon drink, that tastes like watermelon, all right? It's like there's no BS when it comes to what's going on here uh, with Celsius Energy. So again, go to Celsius.com, check them out on Amazon as well too, and you will not be disappointed. Celsius Energy Drink, Peter Report Podcast, Energized by Celsius. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a little bit of a different show today. Uh, as you see, I'm just running it solo dolo, as I said before. And again, thanks to Dennis Bruckner for joining the show today. Uh, one of the topics that we're really going to get into, and I had it on the cover, as you see, is which Bucks are ready to take the next step. I think there's a, a lot of guys, a number of, of people that should be on the list uh, this this year uh, in total. And First of all, too, yesterday we talked about a lot of the guys that need to have a good camp. These players don't necessarily fall into that. um, Don't necessarily fall into those categories. I'm talking about guys that are either on the up and up are going to be asked to even further their game this year. Uh, Got some great people in the chat, too. We're also going to entertain this as a QA and a as well. So everyone get your comments in. Adam Davies right here. Love it, Dennis. Love what Dennis is saying. Shane said cool info. So make sure if you uh, if you have something you want to say, we'll talk about it on the show here. It's a free forum. You know, it's just me, your boy, Matty M on the show today. Ibrahim brings up a great point too. Kamarda runs a uh, four, five, six. I like the fact that he actually ran um, in these categories. You know, not every punter does that. I mean, you go back to the NFL combine and there were wide receivers that didn't want to do the bench press because they were running the 40 yard dash later. I don't necessarily know how it correlates from doing a bench press and then you can't run anymore. You know, I understand you got to pump the arms and everything like that. But for Kamarda to go out and do that, and when we spoke to him last week as well too, Kamarda talked a lot about how much, you know, he played multiple sports. He played baseball. So he said like he liked using that competitiveness and would bring it to the football field too. He obviously played at Georgia, which is a big school. And one of the things Kamarda really talked about was the fact that um was the fact that he almost scored a touchdown on a trick play last year so he's hoping that the bucks will run a, a player to this year where maybe he'll get that chance to uh, score a touchdown edward here says lfg thank you for watching edward I, re- I really appreciate that uh before we get into the topics of which players are going to uh the next this year also just want to get to some Current event news that the Buccaneers had going on uh, this week or even today. Uh, we heard the news that Byron Leftwich and Jackie Davidson are going to the spring league, the spring meetings in Atlanta. That is coming up in uh, just a 
next week, actually, the 23rd and the 24th, they will be a part of the uh, NFL Coach and Front Office Acceleration Program. This is a really cool program that the NFL has set up where they're going to have over 60 uh, minority front office members and coaches, assistant coaches in this league that are going to get to go and network, speak to other coaches, front office people, uh, some ownership people as well, too, that are, and these are all men and women that are looking to take that next step, expand to the next role, become general managers and become head coaches. I mean, we already saw it with Byron Leftwich. He was almost the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars last season. Uh, sooner rather than later, Byron Leftwich is going to be a, a head coach somewhere else. And when that happens, I hope he does you know, end up being uh, a head coach on a team that has more potential than the Jacksonville Jaguars, with, with all due respect to the Jags and, and what they going on. And Jackie Davis, too. I mean, she has been instrumental since she joined the Bucs. I believe this is her third year joining the Bucs. She was with them. Uh, she was with, sorry, the New York Jets in their front office for about 11 years and then came over to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Jason Light has talked a ton about how, you know, she has been a huge help, especially with the Bucs winning the Super Bowl. Everyone remembers how tough it was going to be to re-sign everyone the next year, and they pretty much got everyone back. Same difficult task this offseason as well, too, and I would say the Bucs, for the most part, have really done a, a great job with that. You know, they're able to get Carlton Davis back for, you know, less money than the franchise tag, so that was a win there. They used that franchise tag on Chris Godwin. They still got him for a cheaper amount than the overall um, the overall prices that you see a lot of wide receivers getting today, like Devontae Adams and, and the deal that Tyreek Hill is going to get. So Jackie Davidson has been a huge part of huge moves like that. Obviously, Leonard Fournette coming back for a three-year deal, getting him into a reasonable area of, of the salary cap. That was a big move. So shout out to Byron Leftwich and Jackie Davidson, who will be going uh, to those meetings next week at the Spring League meetings in uh, Atlanta where that will be going on. The other bit of news that came out from today is that we already have the schedule come out, including the preseason, obviously the regular season too. But if you saw the Bucks three preseason games are against the Miami Dolphins, Tennessee Titans, and the Indianapolis Colts. While the game for the Dolphins was pretty much all set in stone and ready to go August 13th at 7.30, we didn't know the exact dates yet for the Titans game, which will be in Nashville and the game in Indy where the Bucs again will be on the road. So we got clarification. Now the Titans game will be on August 20th and kickoff will be at seven o'clock. Then the next week Bucks go to the Colts for a game on August 27th. And that game will be at seven 30. So that's just some uh, housekeeping duties there. Let's get to some of the comments here. That's going on. Shout out Josh Capo, who helped set up this interview with Dennis today. Reminder to everyone, hit the thumbs up button. Please do. It helps with their algorithm. It helps when you hit that like button. It spreads the word. Let's everyone know Pewter Report podcast is going. Obviously, it's just me going today. We're going to have another member of the Pewter Report podcast coming on later towards the end of the show. Not going to give up who that is just yet, but we will have another guest on later um in this show but yeah hit the hit the like button hit subscribe help us grow we're about at 8.37 thousand followers right now trying to get up to 9,000 and hopefully 10,000 right around when training camp gets going so again thank you to everyone that's watching this show right now on your Thursday supply and demand says I see you holding it down Maddie I appreciate you supply and demand you are the man Thomas Gaines here says Logan Hall is unproven Ryan is a slight upgrade over SMB. Whitehead is better than Neil. Hmm. Well, obviously, Logan Hall is unproven. I will agree with that standpoint. Now you're saying Logan Ryan is a slight upgrade over Sean Murphy Bunting. Whitehead is better than Neil. Yeah, Ryan, I really think, is eventually is going to beat out Sean Murphy Bunting for the nickel corner position. We talked about this a little bit yesterday so you can go and watch yesterday's episode uh if you want to hear more of that but i think smb is going to be looking over his shoulder the whole time to see you know whether or not he's going to be able to hold on to that position uh whitehead better than neil i would say 
as of right now, yeah, but you got to understand, like, Neil's coming off very serious injuries. He went from playing a linebacker position over to safety and moved back and forth there. So we'll see if he gets, you know, full season now, if he can stay healthy, just playing at safety versus, you know, going over to uh, the linebacker position. I'm going to miss Jordan Whitehead. I'll still be watching him a lot with, uh, you know, the Jets playing, but he obviously brings a lot of, um, you know, adrenaline to the game, a, a lot of great tackling up front. I think his people like to get on his, his, uh, you know, pass defense too much. I wouldn't necessarily say it was as bad as anyone thinks. I thought he was pretty solid there, but we all know that he's at his best when he's in the box, making those tackles for loss. So that's going to be a big thing. We'll see how the, the Bucks in the safety position really, um, you know, can change with that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into the Bucks players that need to step up in a moment. But first, I want to talk to you about Underdog Fantasy and the ten million dollar prizes that they going on. They got going on right now at Underdog Fantasy. Um, First of all, Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. You could draft your team with no in-season management, get the optimal score each week of the season, and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money, as you see there, with their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. That goes up until now, to the beginning of the season. But there's more incentive to start drafting now. Last year's winner that won over $1 million drafted their team in June, because there are some players that you might pick that, you know, you hear about them in training camp and they're really excelling there. Then the cat's already out of the bag. If you start drafting now in May and in June, you will be able to get some under the radar guys that might pop up on your screen later. So that's why there's the incentive to start drafting now instead of waiting until the season starts to get going. So head to underdogfantasy.com or go to the app now and sign up with the promo code pewter. And Underdog Fantasy is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy, sign up with promo code Pewter and draft your best ball Mania 3 team today. Another thing, too, Underdog Fantasy with best ball Mania 3, they already have, they're closing in on 40,000 people subscribing to the best ball Mania 3. So the more people that sign up, the more money that you're going to have a chance to win. And like I said, if you start drafting now, you're going to get a lot of those under-the-radar players that won't be there value-wise when you start drafting in August or maybe in September right before the season starts. So start drafting for Best Ball Mania 3 right now. And, you know, you see that big number, 41,000 subscribers. Yeah, it's a big number. You don't even have to do that either. You can go and set up an Underdog Fantasy account. You can do leagues of three people, six people. I believe they're going to get five people as well too. So they are making sure that, you know, if you just want to play with your friends, with your family, you could set up a league like that and do, uh, you know, as inexpensive as $3, $5, $6, all for just a simple, you know, a simple sign up right then and there. Peter Report is going to be setting up a lot of this too. You could play against me. You can play against Scott Reynolds, JC Allen, Casey Hudson, Bailey Adams, like everyone, Josh Capo as well, too. We're going to have our own Pewter Report Leagues, too. You can go up against us. You draft your team. You set it and forget it. They'll also have weekly fantasy and daily fantasy as well, too. And they got a lot of props and pickums right now, too. So you could bet on something right now, such as I think Nikita Kucherov for the Lightning is going to have over three shots on net tonight. And hopefully the Bolts pick up another win uh, against the Panthers. We'll see what happens with that tonight. So again, go to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code pewter. All right, folks. As I mentioned, we are going to talk about which Bucks are ready to take the next step. And since Antoine Winfield Jr. is on the graphic, we will start with Antoine Winfield Jr. And you're probably thinking, what are you talking about, Matt? Antoine Winfield Jr. is already a Pro Bowl player. What do you mean he has to take the next step? I fully understand that. But Antoine Winfield Jr. is a good, maybe great player. It depends on the argument. I'm not here to argue about, you know, that stature of his game. But if you remember, we spoke to safeties coach Nick Rapone a couple, about two weeks ago. 
where he said that he's going to challenge Antoine Winfield Jr. He wants Antoine Winfield Jr. to make it to that next level. He wants him to be an elite player. And he said that he is going to challenge him to get more interceptions this year. That's what makes you a great level player. That's what makes you an elite level player. So I think for Antoine Winfield Jr., if you look at his stats from last year, he had 13 games, two interceptions, one forced fumble, three fumble recoveries, 88 tackles, and four tackles for loss. And I understand, too, he's still a a very young player in this league. I mean, he's going into, what, his his third year in the NFL? That players learn at this point, and they're looking for Antoine Winfield Jr. to be the de facto leader in the secondary. Remember, with Jordan Whitehead gone, it's Antoine Winfield Jr., it's Mike Edwards, who we're going to talk about in a little bit here. So they're going to put a lot of the onus on Antoine Winfield Jr. I love when he's up at the line of scrimmage. He's going to blitz, get after the quarterback. As I said, he had, what do you have, um, four tackles for loss this season. I think he can bump those numbers up. The two interceptions, again, 13 games, so he missed a couple games. I think he can bump that up. I remember Nick Rapone said he wanted to get Antoine Winfield Jr. up to six or seven interceptions. So we'll see if he can do that this year. I'm curious if he's going to take a little bit more of a leadership role or just command more when he's out there. Are they going to use him strictly as a free safety? Are they going to move him in the box as well, too? Because you're going to have Mike Edwards starting there at strong safety as well, too, which brings me to my next point. So we just talked about Antoine Winfield Jr. The next guy on my list, and we'll stick with the safety position, is Mike Edwards. I think this is a huge year for Edwards, and I am extremely excited about what he can do. He already had an interception in OTAs the other day. Now, again, he benefited from D Delaney going and making a play right then and there. But Mike Edwards only played 57% of the snaps last season. All right. So he was only in a little and still led the Bucs in, in interception. He had three interceptions on the season. Obviously, he had the two pick sixes in the same game against the Atlanta Falcons. And then he had another interception in the wild card round game at home against the Eagles. So this guy's playing a fraction of the snaps compared to everyone else on defense. And he's making all the turnovers. Like he's the number one ball hawk on this team. We've talked about this before. But now in terms of players going and making the next step, Mike Edwards is a starter now. All right. He's getting free reign to go out there and be the number one guy at strong safety. So Edwards, too. He had 46 tackles in in, uh, 14 games, seven pass breakups. We know what he can do in terms of getting his hands on the ball, whether it's a pass breakup or those interceptions or the forced fumbles. But I want to see, too, I mean, there was a reason why he didn't get more playing time with the Bucs. They didn't always trust him in those situations to, I guess they were a little worried about him getting beat deep or missing coverage on certain plays. John Ledier just talked about that a lot. I miss you, John. Got to get John back on the show soon enough but another thing too he had one tackle for a loss and that's understandable again because of the limited amount of time that uh he really got to play last season so i want to see if he's going to play strong safety it would be silly of the bucks to ask mike edwards to go and become the next jordan whitehead they're just different players you know whitehead is a heat-seeking missile when it comes to pursuing the ball carrier and getting those stops up front I'm not saying he has to go and be Jordan Whitehead. Because, again, in terms of creating turnovers, I don't think anyone on the Bucs roster really compares to to Mike Edwards um, at this standpoint. So I would really love to see what Edwards can do in terms of getting more playing time. Is there going to be any fatigue? I'm not exactly sure about that. Um, But I think it's going to be a great opportunity for him. And if he keeps up with all the interceptions and everything like that, the Bucs are going to... I don't want to say lead the league because that's going to be a little bit early, but I do think that they could be top five in in turnovers created just based on having Mike Edwards in the lineup more. We know what Antoine Winfield Jr. can be. He was a Pro Bowl player. I think he can become, you know, uh, an all-pro player. I guess that's the next step for him. Antoine Winfield Jr., of course, he's always a team-first guy, so all he cares about is making it to the Super Bowl. But I think he can go all-pro there. And then Mike Edwards, full-time starter, see how he can perform stopping the run if they move him up in the box more. So two of the safeties are on the list here for players that are ready to take the next step. 
Uh, before I get into the next player, and he's, again, a lot of defensive guys on this list, I'm going to bring in another member of the Pewter Report squad. It is Bailey Adams, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Bailey is going to be making his Pewter Report debut. Bailey, how you doing, my man? I'm doing all right, man. How you doing? Oh, I am awesome. I am chugging along here on this Peter Report podcast. Started out with a great interview with Dennis Bruckner, then going solo dolo here. I keep saying solo dolo. dolo. That's going to be my you know word of the day here. But uh, Bailey, you're still fairly new to uh, you know the Peter Report family and the Peter people. For everyone watching and listening to this show, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you started at, and now being a part of Peter Report. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a crazy ride, actually. I, so I, I grew up in Tampa, been around the Bucks my entire life. Um, so know all about that, know all about what is what you Bucks fans have been through over the years. Um, I started, you know, with the whole you know covering the team back in 2016, and I, I joke about it all the time because I think one of my first uh, articles that I wrote was kind of trying to justify the Roberto Aguayo pick. Oh, everyone, everyone's just <laughs> everyone's clicking out of the podcast right now as I'm talking. Um, but I did that and it was funny because when I left that first website that I was with, my last article for that website was about, um, it was about Jason Light's worst picks. I did, I did his best five draft picks and his worst five draft picks up to that point. And so I started with, you know, defending the Roberto Aguayo pick and I ended with saying it was the worst pick of the, uh, Jason Light era so far. But then I went over to uh, a new, a new website was with Bucks Nation from around 2018 up until this past April. Um, and now, man, I'm here, here with the Peter Report team. It's been great so far. You know, loving being with the team. Yeah, and you've been awesome since joining us right around the draft. I mean, we spent a lot of time together, especially on day three of the draft. And, you know, you've had some great articles out. Uh, the Cam Braid article I really liked, even the way that you went about uh, phrasing the, the Peter Report article about the top three players under the age of uh, 25. You have some great articles out right now, too. And we'll get back to the the list that I had already been talking about. But, Bailey, since it's the first time that you're on the podcast show, let's just get your opinions about, you know, the outlook of the, the Bucks overall, your thoughts on this year's draft class. You know, you don't have to go 20 minutes on it, but just your overall thoughts there since we haven't heard from the spoken voice, the spoken word of you on the show. Just your overall thoughts on that. Yeah, it's funny that the timing of all this, my, my spoken voice is actually a little hoarse right now. I'm dealing with a little bit of a sickness from uh, oh, no. you know, lack of sleep over the weekend at a friend's wedding. But um, yeah, I, I think, you know, they're in really good shape. It's funny the, the difference that like just of what a couple of months can make. Um, you know, when Tom Brady retired for the, the brief 40 days, it felt pretty dire, I think, for in a lot of ways. And I, I was trying to maintain a little bit of uh, optimism and you know not trying to say oh it's all doom and gloom because there's still outside of Tom Brady there's still a lot of young talent and I made that point um, in that article about the the top three or the top 25 players under 25 the Bucks have three of them and they have so many guys that are on the roster that really good players really solid players and I think obviously you need a really good quarterback and that was a big question when Brady retired but now that Brady's back it feels like you know they're they're right back on the road to to being one of the favorites in the NFC. I think, you know, I would put them right up there with the Rams. I think they're a little bit ahead of the Packers, given what's happened in the Packers offseason, but you can't ever count the Packers out. I think they're in really good shape, and I like what they did with the draft class. I like, um, you know, for the most part, I think there's there's some things we'll see how it pans out, but I'm, I've never been one to, you know, I need to see some guys on the field first before I say, like, I can't stand that pick. I, you know, there's someone I'm kind of like, I don't know about that. But then, you know, you see him on the field. Like, okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll shut up. No, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. It kind of drives me crazy sometimes when people are like, Oh, like this team had a terrible draft or let, let's grade some of these Dra- draft picks. Cause it's like, we <laughs> haven't grades. seen them on the field. Like right now we should be grading how like, the 2017 and 2018 draft classes have started. Now I understand like some teams, and again, I'm biased because I grew up in New York, but like you could look at the Jets draft class and be like, all right, they did something good here in 2022. They had three first round picks and arguably got the best receiver off the board, the the best running back off the board and best cornerback. So I I think there's different degrees of it where you could see some guys doing well, some guys not. Uh, Shout out Dante Jones right here saying, trying Celsius for the first time because of you guys. Hope you enjoy it. I'm willing to bet uh, that you will. 
All right, Bailey, I'm not sure if uh, you heard some of my list already. We're talking about Bucks players that are ready to take the next step. My first two picks, because Antoine Winfield Jr. was already on the graphic, that's not really a surprise. But I said Antoine Winfield Jr. and Mike Edwards. And really to surmise it, I would just say Antoine Winfield Jr., we already know he's a really good player. Is he good? Is he great? That's still up for debate. But if he's good right now, I'm ready to see him become great next season. I think he will be. And if he's already great, I think he's going to become elite this season. And he already made it to a Pro Bowl, but let's see him make another Pro Bowl, get into that all-pro category. And I think that's a big thing about what Nick Rapone, the safeties coach, has been coaching him up on. The other one was Mike Edwards, again, because he's moving into a starting safeties role, which he hasn't had in his career yet other than filling in for injuries and things like that. So for him to be a full-time starter, we know what he brings as a ball hawk. Now let's see him put it all together, you know, in stopping the run, in better coverage outside of just getting your hand on the on a ball. So what do you what do you think of those choices? Would you agree with that? Would you not agree with that? Or is Antoine Winfield already there? Tell me what Absolutely. Yeah. I think with with Winfield, I would put him up to I think over two years, he's been pretty great. Like I, I think he's almost already at that great level and, and I think he can take that next step to being elite. And I know Nick Rapone was saying be the kind of safety that's gonna get six or seven interceptions a year. You know, that's the one yeah. thing that's kind of been missing because I think I, he's had like one or two over the first um, couple of years in the league. And so that's that's the big key for him. And, yeah, I think he's ready to take that next step. And, you know, I, I know you see it for – you saw him his rookie year and you're like, okay, I mean, he's outplaying – like he's he's not playing like a rookie. He's outplaying even where he was drafted, you know, as a second rounder. He's been key part of this defense that ended up winning the Super Bowl. Comes back in his second season was, I think, just as good if not better earned a pro bowl nod. You know, I think he's, he's just on that solid ascension. And I think year three is going to be even bigger. Mike Edwards is an interesting one because we've seen a lot of flashes of Mike Edwards and it's probably the definition of like that next step. Like he needs to take the, you know, the next, get into that next level of the type of player he's going to be. Cause we can't rely on the, okay. Yeah. He's going to step in every once in a while and, you know, make, you know, make a big interception or or come up with a clutch moment. Cause he's had some of those. But we need to see the consistency when he's going to step in as and he's going to get every chance to be the starter, the starting safety. Um, you know, he's got Keanu Neal probably breathing down his neck, but he's going to get this chance, especially with the contract situation that he's in. The Bucks need to see if he's a guy that they can keep around for, you know, for the long run. Yeah, I love those two points that you just made. Consistency is going to be key with Mike Edwards, because for all the great plays that he's made, there's a reason why he hasn't been on the field all the time, because occasionally he gets burned. Uh, with the big play. And of course the contract year, every player is always looking for that second contract. So that's something that we got to pay attention to in terms of consistency. This next player who I am naming as the poster boy of this topic of which players ready to take the next step. It's got to be Joe Tryon Shoyanka. We already know the case where it doesn't look like Jason Pierre Paul is going to be back. So that means it's going to be Joe Tryon Shoyanka lining up an outside linebacker opposite of Shaq Barrett. We saw a lot of JTS last year in limited roles. He played in 17 games, had six starts, four sacks, 29 tackles, five tackles for loss, played about 49% of the defensive snaps. And it's funny, Bailey, because he had four sacks, but he could have had probably double that amount with with the amount of times that he got to the backfield and got to the quarterback and just wasn't really able to finish the job. So I really think for JTS, it's going to come down to consistency, but with the, the size, the strength, the athleticism for him to play as a full-time starter and just line up at outside linebacker versus getting kicked in inside. So JPP can also play the outside linebacker position. I think that's going to be great for him. It's going to help him in his development. And I think we're going to see things trying to the yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be interesting to watch because you know with the two the first two like with uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. You know it's it's he's already very good. You know he's already in a spot yes. where you know the Bucks can rely on him. Mike Edwards, you know he's shown flashes and, and all of that, but you know even if he doesn't necessarily take that next step forward, I think he's still pretty reliable. Plus they have you know the security blanket of Keanu Neal with Joe Tryon Choinka. It's like it's a necessity that he has to take the next step you know, for, for this defense and, you know, to play on the outside, take over for JPP. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. He had those four sacks last year, probably could have had 
you know, at least seven or eight, like you said, he, he was, he would get to the quarterback and just, you know, we need to see him finish those sacks. Um, you know, I was just looking at it a little bit earlier and he was like, he was fourth on the team in, um, in pressures as, or fourth on the defensive line in pressures in just the limited yeah. role that he played. Um, and I think fifth overall on the team in pressure rate. Um, and so he, he was getting the opportunities that he got, he was effective. It's just, again, it's with the consistency thing where he's stepping into that full-time role he's got to get the job done and and there's not really a lot behind him to, you know, to give him a security blanket like Keanu Neal is. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have Anthony Nelson there who did play well last season, but yeah, I mean, if you're picking Joe Trinchenko or Anthony Nelson, you're going to go with Joe Trinchenko. And we all know about the lack of depth after Anthony Nelson. We don't know who the fourth outside linebacker is going to be. And I think it's even more crucial this year too with, and for everyone who hasn't read, uh, Scott Reynolds Fab Five. He'll have a new one out tomorrow. But last week's Fab Five, he spoke a lot about just you know the heavy hitters of quarterbacks that the Bucks have to play against this year. Between, I mean, you just look at the first four games. You got Dak Prescott. We could skip over the Saints. We know what's going on there. It's, it's going to be Jameis Winston. Um, I think that quarterback competition ended a year ago. But still, Dak Prescott. Um, what you call Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, week three, Mahomes, week four, Matthew Stafford later in the season, Lamar Jackson. So you're going to need to get home a lot with that four man pass rush. I mean, go back to the Super Bowl. We all know Todd Bowles didn't blitz as much and they were just able to get home with Shaq and JPP and it caused a ton of chaos for uh, for Patrick Mahomes. Matthew Stafford was the best against the blitz. So you're not going to really want to send the blitz there, too. And right. rattling Aaron Rodgers. The best way to stop him is by getting the sacks, and that was the big difference for the Bucks in those games. So really, it's going to be a lot on Joe Tryon-Trenka just for the mere fact that they have to stop these elite quarterbacks, and there's no better way to do that. It's cliche, I know, but there's no better way to do that than just getting home with the four-man front versus sending all these blitzes. And we know how Todd Bowles, whether he's the D.C. or the new head coach, loves to send the kitchen sink in a various degree of different ways. Well, I, th- I think what will help him, obviously, was – the, the playing time he did get last year because JPP wasn't healthy the whole year. So, yeah. you know, JTS was able to step in and, you know, get some of those reps that I think gave him some of the growing pains that you're going to imagine a rookie's going to have. And so, I mean, maybe he'll have a little bit more of those when he's stepping in as a full-time starter. But I, I really think, you know, last year is going to help him a ton as he just kind of steps right in this year and, and gets going. If you're going to bet on the number of sacks that Joe Trinchenko is going to get this year, and I'd be willing to bet it's going to be more than four, this season, uh, the best place to go to that would be mybookie.ag, as you see up there. And folks, mybookie.ag, as you see, you got the PGA Championship that just started today. And even though we're already in the middle of the round, Tiger Woods was golfing earlier. Rory McIlroy had a great day, but you could bet on the rest of the week. You can bet on matchups of you know this golfer against this golfer. For Friday, who do you think is going to play better? You can bet on that. You can bet on an outright winner. You can bet on who's going to make the cut, who's going to have a top 20 finish. So there's multiple different things that you could bet on with the PGA Championship. And, of course, you also have playoff hockey. The Bolts play tonight. Playoff basketball. I believe it's Heat Celtics tonight. And the baseball season is going on right now. Baseball, there's 162 games. It could feel like a grind to watch. But you can put excitement back into it with each and every game with my bookie. There's run lines, money lines, and props galore. I personally like first inning, no runs. You just bet on neither team to score in the first inning. You just watch that part of it, and then you can go on with your day. And But nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Just deposit whatever you want up to $1,000. Use the promo code pewter, and my bookie will match that deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using the promo code Pewter to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway. That's the, uh, yeah, that's a disclaimer. It's halfway, not the full deposit. But either way, I mean, you put in, you know, $500, they're going to match you with $250. That's a free $250 to bet on the Lightning to win tonight. Um, so bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Again, that's mybookie.ag and use the promo code pewter. 
Bailey, I appreciate you spending some time with us. I know uh, your time is limited right now in terms of your appearance on the Peter Report podcast. Um, are you able to stay a little bit longer? Do you have to get going soon? I'm good. Man, I'm good. Hell yeah. Let's rock and roll, brother. I got two more guys on the list, and feel free to, uh, if you have someone else, that's fine, or I'd love to just get your analysis on it. One guy is a very young and up-and-coming player, but I think he's going to have uh, an important role this year in terms of it's going to be a depth role, but we saw a lot of injuries at this position last year, and it's a very significant position. I really think K.J. Britt, after hearing from the coaches, even Keith Armstrong, the special teams coach, we asked him about his role on special teams, and he said, I don't really know how much we're going to see him because they're really trying to mold him into that third inside linebacker with Kevin Minter not back yet. And that's something Larry Foote talked about a lot too, that he's a smart player. He's really understanding the game. They just want to get that athleticism up. I think this is a huge opportunity for KJ Britt to take the game and really become a crucial vital player because we saw Levante David get injured last year. We saw a little regression of Devin White. Now he could bounce back this year, but we're still looking at a situation where if one of those players goes down, they're going to need an inside linebacker to step up because inside linebacker is important in every defense, but particularly with what Levante and Devin White can do, they're going to need a guy to step up with KJ Britt. And I think he's got the smarts. He's got the understanding and the anticipation. He only had 12 tackles last season, one tackle for loss though, obviously in a limited role, but if he can, you know, nail this third inside linebacker job. That's going to be huge for Tampa Bay moving forward, considering where they drafted him a season ago. Yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the bigger surprises of the offseason to me is that they didn't, you know, address that, in, you know, a depth inside linebacker role. I, I know they liked Kevin Minter, for, you know, for the last few years. And, you know, I don't know that I necessarily expected him to be back, but, you know, at this, at this stage in the offseason, I would have expected them to add someone else uh, potentially, you know, to, to sit behind, uh, Levante David and Devin White but you know I yeah with KJ Britt like he again it's one of those where out of, out of necessity like they need him to step into a bigger role and they need him to develop into that guy that he, they can count on and I know you know I think maybe there's probably some limitations to his game but I think there were some limitations to Kevin Minter's game you know it's, it's not like they need him yeah. to be they don't need him to be like a star on the defense they need him to play a role and you know I think you know from what we've heard from the coaches he sounds ready to play that role and you know we saw here last year, we saw him on special teams too. I mean, he looked good on special teams, but you know, they they say he seems to be ready, and that's what the role they want for him. So I'm interested to see it. And I think we saw so many times, especially the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl in 2020, where depth guys came in, and you don't need them, as you said, you don't need them to be superstars. Like right off the top of my head, Aaron Stinney coming in and replacing Alex Kappa was huge. You know, the Bucks didn't really miss a miss a beat. Uh, Kevin Minter. Struggled a little bit this season, but again, the Super Bowl winning year, you know, he played in a playoff game because Devin White was on the COVID list. Vita Vea missed the majority of that season, and the rest of the defensive tackles there with Nacho and Will Golston were able to right the ship and keep it steady until Vita Vea came back for the NFC Championship game. So I really think Britt falls into that category of, again, don't do anything outside of your game. Just stay within what you know how to do. And, you know, the rest of the defense is talented enough to really go and pick up the rest of the slack. Shout out to uh, Ibrahim again here. He says, I'm very interested to see how far KJ Britt develops. If history is any forecast, he will have to start a couple of games. Yeah, that again goes back to the fact that uh, Lamonte David was hurt last year. And we didn't even know if he's going to be playing in the playoff games that he was able to, to come back for. And Devin White has missed some time, so... Definitely need him to step up. Alien Mastodon here says, hopefully KJ Britt can do well in coverage. Yeah, that's been the knock at times with, with Devin White. I think Devin White got better at that and then got a little bit worse in terms of um in term <laughs> in terms of uh run coverage this year. Uh good comment here from I like Rice. Nassib should come back. He was awesome with Tampa. Yeah, that's something that we talked about in the past in terms of on, on this show, I believe last week or two weeks ago, in terms of other veteran players coming in here, I think Carl, uh, I was about to say Carlton Davis. I think Carl Nassib would be a great fit in the sense of he's already been here. He's played in this defense with Todd Bowles. He was the team captain. So, you know, um, 
you know, he's all in with with the rest of the teammates. And he's well liked in the locker room. I mean, he was he was a leader on this team. And I and I think for where Nassib is at this point of his career, he's fine with taking you know a backup role, some limited snaps, and would make a really great depth piece on this team. It's easy to see the fit. I mean, obviously he fit well before, and and yeah. I know he's been away for a couple years now, and it's it's honestly maybe easy to to forget that he played in this defense. It, it seems like so long ago at this point. But, yeah, he was productive, and I think especially for the role they would need him in, I mean, that's – I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. All right, Bailey. I have one more player on this list, and we talked a ton about defense. But I finally got an offensive player on this list in terms of players that I personally ready to connect. And granted, yesterday's show was a lot of offense, not too much defense. Today's show, a lot of defense. We're getting a little bit of offense here. And the last player I have on my list is wide receiver Cyril Grayson Jr., Cyril Grayson, uh, depending on how you pronounce it. Um, obviously, what he did towards the end of the season I thought was great. Um, for the whole year, he only had 10 receptions for 212 yards and two touchdowns. But you look at his last two games of the season. He got hurt before the season finale, didn't play that, didn't play in the playoffs. But the the game at the Carolina Panthers – three receptions for 81 yards, and he had that key block on the Keyshawn Vaughn huge touchdown run. Next week, six receptions for 81 yards against the New York Jets. I really think this is a great opportunity for Grayson. The whole talk with him has been, um, the whole talk with him has just been about, okay, he's understanding the game. He's learning it. It's, um, he, you know, he was a track star at LSU and, now he's learning to be a wide receiver. Now he's becoming that wide receiver. That's a, a lot about what Kevin Garver talked about and Byron Leftwich. I think he's going to be in that competition to be, if not the wide receiver four, the wide receiver five. When you match his speed, his willingness to do everything, his chemistry with Tom Brady, obviously he scored that game-winning touchdown against the Jets, one of his two touchdowns on the season, two toddies for uh, Cyril Grayson. I think... I don't want to say the sky's the limit because he probably does have a but I'm very optimistic about what he can do this year. It's um it's one to watch. I think especially one one thing you just said that I didn't even really remember it and now it's coming back to me is on that touchdown run by Keyshawn Vaughn, that block. And I think that's mm-hmm. gonna be one of the keys because there's so many guys in this wide receiver competition, you know, behind Evans, Godwin, Gage, and you're gonna have to find some of the separators and the differentiators and and I think blocking in the run game is, is something that's going to be super important. And it's something that, you know, we saw him do it on that play, you know, just as long as we see him do it consistently, that could be a leg up for him. Um, and I kind of do wonder too, with him getting hurt right before the playoffs, I wonder what the playoffs would have looked like had he not. And it's weird to say that it's really like, Oh, had things, what things have gone differently with Grayson healthy, but they might have, it's, it's the, that's the state that the Bucks wide receiver room was in at the time. Yeah, absolutely. There's a chance that the Bucks didn't necessarily go down 27 to three, and then wouldn't have found themselves in a situation where they had to scramble all the way back just to get their hearts broken at the end. But I, I think overall, just that competition for wide receiver four is going to be a lot of fun. You have some veteran guys, some younger players that have been in the league for one to two years that have an opportunity to see if they can develop, and then you have a lot of the undrafted rookie free agents too and uh, yeah i think Grayson in the playoffs really would have been something you know just the overall game face the mentality and um speaking of games that we're talking about another fun game to play is bowling and if you're gonna go and bowl the number one place to go and do that is at pin chasers you see it on the screen there so many different locations for pin chasers east pasco zephyr hills midtown and veterans they got one very close to where uh, the facility is for the Tampa Bay Buc- and The cool thing is Pin Chasers is more than just, you know, a bowling alley. It's it's a fun event to go out for a night with friends and with family. You can book your kid's birthday party there. They got an arcade section too, so the kids can bowl and also play some video games at the arcade. Their food is underrated and they bring it right to you as well. You don't even have to get up from your chair. The servers will come and bring it to you. And they have Tons and tons of deals every single day. Uh, they got all-you-can-eat pizza, all-you-can-bowl, Dollar Miller Lights. They got brunch 
on the weekend. So make sure you go to pinchasers.net, see all the deals that they have, and you can reserve a lane or book a party. Again, pinchasers.net. Anthony Peroni, the owner, is a huge Bucks fan, has season tickets, so you're helping out fellow Bucks fans. That's pinchasers.net. Okay, Bailey, that is the list that I have in terms of Bucks players that I believe are ready to take the next step this season and really be huge contributors for Tampa Bay this season. Uh, I do want to take a couple of more just comments from the fans because I appreciate everyone watching this show. Uh, John V says, my concern is who can Bucks really rely on to be wide receiver four, three when Godwin is out. There will be plenty of reps to be had even after Chris Godwin comes back. It's funny you mentioned that, John V, because that was another story that um, Scott Reynolds had today about who's going to pick up the slack when it comes to Chris Godwin not being in the lineup. And we guessed yesterday when he's going to come back. Honestly, it's up in the air. I was actually on the phone last night with a friend of mine that tore his ACL uh, about a year ago, and he said that he's still kind of recovering from it. Now, granted, my friend is not you know, getting the the treatment from, you know, world-class doctors and trainers and doesn't have the type of rehab that Chris Godwin has. And, of course, Chris Godwin is, you know, an all-time athlete, so he's going to recover quicker. But in the case that Chris Godwin really has to miss some time, I think the obvious answer is Russell Gage is going to be the top guy that uh, can go and move around, play in the slot, play outside as well, too, and really be that complement to – um to Mike Evans there, but I think it's going to be more of sure. Whoever wins that number four spot, but we've seen Tyler Johnson. He had that opportunity last year to step up. We saw that with Rashad Perriman. So that's why I really think it could be Grayson that takes that role this year. And I also think too, when Godwin got hurt last season, we saw more of an emphasis of getting Leonard Fournette involved in the passing game. And he started racking up some more receptions, racking up huge touchdown games. He obviously had a great game against the Indianapolis Colts where he scored multiple touchdowns, you know, through the air and on the ground as well, too. So I see, you know, Fournette being that catalyst, but then also as Josh S says right here, too, uh, Rashad White, I think, is going to fill that role. And Giovanni Bernard as well, too, if he's not going to if he's if he's healthy this year. So I think there's multiple options. It's not just going to be wide receiver that's going to, you know, address that situation. It's going to be a, a group effort. And obviously you have Tom Brady there. So anytime you got Brady, you have a chance to win with whoever is around you. Well, that's the good thing is there's no shortage of options. They have, I mean, for that number four receiver role, they have, what, five, six, seven guys probably in the mix. Yeah. And then they have, you know, those, like you said, like you mentioned, those running backs, you know. And that's that's what's interesting, too, is, you know, when you say Grayson is one of those guys that might have to step up in Godwin's absence, like what we were just talking about with, you know, blocking in the run game, what's Godwin really good at? He's, he's a good blocker. Yeah, they and use so him as a fullback sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so if if Grayson is able to to show that he can he can block in the run game, that's gonna again it's gonna give him a leg up. So it, it is it's all about probably just I don't want to say damage control because that makes it sound I guess more it, it sounds rougher than it is because I think they're still in a in an okay spot you know for the first few weeks if they have to you know let Godwin recover a little bit more. But I think it's it's about you know getting through those weeks, getting the wins you can get, and then getting Godwin back on the field hundred percent. Yeah, I agree, and they definitely can't rush him back, I think, because that would be a huge mistake if he's not 100%, but he just, you know, just wants to get on the field. Uh, good comment here from Joe Grizz. He says, Tom, just going to spread that thing around to the open guy so it doesn't really matter. I mean, if there's anyone that you want playing with, I guess, not your top guys, it would be Tom Brady because he's been through that situation multiple times. Like, he is going to air it out, and whoever's open is going to make a play because Tom Brady – makes other players around him better. And I think there's going to be more of an emphasis in the run game. It's not going to be 50-50. Um, and I know Bucks fans aren't necessarily going to love that, but Brady has always excelled when he has like a top five, a top 10 run game. I think that could be a situation that we run it, run into, no pun intended, this season, <laughs> just being trying to be more effective in the run game. Yeah, no, I, th- I think so. And that, that would probably be a huge key. I mean, you look at some of the, the offenses Brady's been in, in in New England, and you know they didn't always have top caliber receivers, but he always made it work. So that's where I think you know he is again. He's gonna be forty five years old, so that is a little bit of a different element. He's not like he's playing with a, a lesser receiver group in his like thirties or twenties still. Yeah. But you know, I, I think if if you want to count on anyone to get through those couple weeks, 
without a top receiver like Godwin, it's Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom Brady has made it work with the Patriots. He's clearly made it work with the Bucks, And all the pewter people watching and listening to this, you can make it work by hitting the like button and the subscribe button. We're on the way to try to get to 9K and eventually 10K. Um, so anytime you can go and hit the like button, it really helps us with our algorithm, helps grow the brand of Peter Report and Peter Report TV, our YouTube channel. We're starting to get a lot more podcast clips, shorten it up. We understand not everyone can watch a whole hour's worth of a, of a podcast, so we're cutting those up more. We got a lot of great clips out there of just us being at the facility, talking to Todd Bowles, Cam Brate, you know, uh, Rashad White, er- everyone in between. Got a lot of that going up on our YouTube channel, so make sure you like and subscribe. And just want to say thanks again to uh, Dennis Bruckner for joining the show today. Thank you, Bailey Adams, for joining the show. Your debut, you absolutely crushed it. Great job there. So, folks, we will be back again next week for a Monday edition. And let's remember, Monday around 420, it's going to be Roll Call. Tell us where you're from, where you're watching it, and uh, enjoying your Buccaneers content from. So, for Bailey Adams, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everyone, for watching. We'll be back Monday for another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Have a great weekend. Out. Out.